The movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray was a fantastic and really funny movie. But when it's an example of your life, and every single day, you're just on autopilot. Day in and day out, the same exact thing. You often feel like you're not moving in the direction that you want to move. You're not reaching higher. You're not achieving the goals that you want to achieve. And it just doesn't feel right. Well, if you're looking for a path to be able to change that, then this is your episode. I hope you guys love this conversation with Sabrina as much as I did. So friends, are you ready? Three, two, one, let's go. Hey everyone, what's going on? I'm Mike Fancher and welcome to this episode of the MyFit Method Podcast. You guys are in for such a treat today. I have Sabrina Del Duca with me, who is an amazing coach, has literally walked away from a corporate career to be able to really try to impact people's lives in ways that I don't even think she yet imagined. Sabrina, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here as well. Very cool. Very cool. So it's wonderful to have you here, but just so that our listeners can get a better idea of who you are, Mm -hmm. would you share a little bit about your personal journey and what led you to become really a life coach focusing on helping individuals really rewrite their lives? Well, thank you for this opportunity. For me, I've always been a dancer, a dance teacher for a long time. So that kind of role of being able to help people gain confidence through movement, seeing them feel so accomplished after a dance performance, that was always something that lit me up, that excited me a lot. And then I found myself in a corporate career in advertising where I was getting fulfillment in different ways. I was solving problems. I was getting the jobs done. I was doing these amazing campaigns. And really it was all about, okay, how can we if we know clients, how could we do more for less money? Like, right? How can we right. maximize our budget? So <laughs> it was the problem solving and how to get the most creativity. So there was always a desire for me to impact people or to get the most from people, to have them realize and reach their potential, to be as creative as possible. And then I, like many people, experienced a burnout because I am a passionate individual and I just gave my all and did not take time for myself. And also I started to get overwhelmed by the amount of work that there was in my job. And quite honestly, I got to a point where I felt guilty. I felt ashamed because this job was amazing. And why did I feel unfulfilled? Why did I feel like I wanted something different? But then I just had to realize that all it means is that I've outgrown it and I was ready for something new. So give myself an opportunity to try something new, to experience a new career. And I had an amazing and supportive boss who gave me that permission. I was able to take that big risk. And in 2019, I left my corporate job. I had zero backup plan. I had no idea what I was going to do. But I feel like I needed that void to be able to then figure out the next steps. And what was always in the back of my mind was impact, help people. How can I make a difference? How can I, how can I help people get through what I just experienced and maybe not suffer as long or get there quicker? get to their purpose a bit faster. Thankfully, and I'll say it this way, thankfully the pandemic happened because everything shut down and I had the time to get my certifications, to do all of my education, to become a coach. 
uh, and to then build a program to help people find their purpose and help people rewrite their life, rewrite their chapter, and let people know that it's never too late to do something that you love. It's never too late to change your life and to kind of speak through my experience as well. And thankfully, in addition to being a coach and to be able to impact in that way, I am still teaching dance. I kind of went back almost full time with teenagers, with adults, and I'm really finding that the coaching aspect also comes into play with the teaching of the dance. Because a lot of times we hold ourselves back or our mindset is not in the right place when it comes to dancing. So I'm able to really work those two in parallel and impact as many people as I can. Love that. I love that. I actually, I did a podcast interview not too long ago. And during the interview, I said something. It was one of those rare moments where I was like, wow, I just said something that was really cool. But what I said was, and it tied right into what you said, give yourself extreme permission to both learn and act, but you must do both because learning without acting wastes your time, but acting without learning wastes others' time. And Ooh, I love literally, it. yeah, I literally Chill. just kind of popped out. I love that. <laughs> I was like, did yes. I really say that? Yeah, <laughs> I love good. that. But it really, you know, and you, you did that. You, you not only, your boss didn't just give you permission, you gave yourself permission. That's what people really have to do. And everyone's lives are so busy. And I've seen you actually mention the feeling of being on autopilot and losing yourself in your daily routines. Oh, yeah. Do you have a personal experience where you realized you were on autopilot and decided that, you know what, enough? And you mentioned it a little bit in your advertising career, but mm-hmm. was there a certain thing that you said, no more, that's it, I have to move forward? Definitely. I think bringing attention to this particular situation is so important because we do get lost. For me, I think it was a buildup of two years on autopilot. And I do have reflections and memories back to that time where I was not present. And what that means is I would envision myself, I'd remember a party with friends and I remember everybody laughing and me just sitting there, not being able to respond, being in my head, being disconnected. So for me, the autopilot or the the forcing of the autopilot and not being able to be present and grounded meant that I was losing connections with my friends. I was losing my sense of humor. Everyone was laughing. I wasn't laughing. Like things like right. little things like that that we take for granted where, you know, I wasn't able to have a conversation where I felt I can connect with someone. I was so disconnected from myself that I wasn't able to connect to anyone else. And that's what scared me. Because that was for me social interaction. We all need social interaction, but If work was not going well, and I knew I wasn't happy there, but now it was impacting my social life. It was impacting the time outside of work with friends. And I felt like I wasn't able to be myself or I didn't recognize myself anymore. People often say we lose ourselves in that kind of situation. And it's true. I didn't recognize myself anymore. And even the weirdest thing, I looked at pictures recently from that time and I didn't recognize myself. Like my eyes were vacant and I showed one of my friends and she was like, oh my goodness, you're right. I didn't see it until just now that my, like I was smiling. I looked, physically looked the same, but my eyes were vacant. The the life was gone. The life was gone. Wow. Very scary. It reminds me of a quote uh, by Socrates, which was the secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. (laughs) 
And I think sometimes we get so caught up in who we are at that moment, who we were. And sometimes I had this conversation the other day. People say, oh, it's so important for people to rediscover themselves. But I often wonder, is it really rediscovering yourself or is it discovering yourself for the first time? Mm. What's your take on that? If you've never reflected on who you truly are, then it's definitely discovering yourself for the first time. And I think most of us don't ask ourselves those questions, maybe because it's too deep. Are we scared to really uncover who we are? And that's where I believe that the radical self-acceptance and self-love needs to come into play because we need to accept our good, our bad, and everything in between to make sure that we understand who we are as people. But I know that a lot of times, and this is something that I did, we tie our identity to our actions or our work. So for me, the person who I thought I was, was the advertising executive. And so if I wasn't that, what would I do? And a lot of us, we get to know ourselves to a certain extent by what we do, the role we play. Mom, sister, girlfriend, that as well. But deep down, who are you? And have you asked yourself that question? Like, what do you love? What do you hate? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? I think it's hard sometimes for people to get past whatever the current obstacle or the current challenge or obstacles or challenges, because there's usually a mountain of them in front of you. Mm -hmm. That's all people can see. It's not even seeing the forest or the trees. You can't see beyond the giant mountain that's in front of you. And if you only view it as a mountain, you get that struggle of feeling stuck and you don't even know where to start. Like you wake up in the morning, you have these dreams and these aspirations, yet they're so clouded because you don't know what step one is. Have you ever had a situation like that? And how do you coach someone to be able to say, step one starts with X? Totally. That's definitely how I felt when I was trying to figure out my next chapter. And I think even before figuring out the next step, a lot of people, we need to ask ourselves, what is it that we truly want? We know what we don't want, right? We know what we want to get rid of, but what it is that we truly want, that takes a lot more reflection and a lot more introspection. So I think that's definitely number one in terms of clarity. What is your future self? What, What does that look like? What is that vision? And get clear on who that person is. And by being clear on that, then you understand, okay, in order to live that way, what are the daily habits that I need to do? And then you can see in your life, almost do like an audit of your life, like what habits are bringing you closer to that person and which ones are holding you back. And then you can start seeing where you need to eliminate some bad habits because we all have them. We all have that. (laughs) We do. And so what is helping? And some habits can be, can, you can keep them because they're still driving you forward. But a lot of the time we need to look at how can our lifestyle change to then help us get closer to that vision and that person that we want to be. Agreed. I think one of the most important and probably overlooked habits that anyone can start is looking back and saying, what habits do I do right now that aren't working? I hear right. people say all the time, and as someone who's worked in health and fitness for, oh my gosh, too many decades at this point that I want to admit. But (laughs) for someone who has done that, people don't want to 
you see the New Year's resolutions every year. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Imagine if New Year's resolution were just based on reduction, not on addition. So instead of saying, this year, I'm going to do this, this, and this, instead said, this year, what I'm not going to do is this, this, and this. And the amount of change that when you know what's going to happen. I had a friend of mine once, this is a true story. He came to me and he loved working out. He was very, very passionate about it. He was really trying to get that ripped tone physique. And he came to me one day and he's like, Mike, he's like, what exercises do I need to do to just get a massive six pack? Like I want a perfect six pack. And I started joking with him. I'm like, you know, the old saying, six packs are born in a kitchen. They're not born in a gym. It's not about exercises. I was like, well, you know, we could talk about your diet a little bit. Like, what are you doing? And I just asked a simple question. I said, you know, let me, give me an example. I said, what did you eat for breakfast this morning? And he goes, I don't want to tell you. I go, what? I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like, what did you eat for breakfast this morning? He's like, I don't want to tell you because you're going to, you're going to laugh at me. Like, I promise you, I will not laugh at you. He goes, okay. I had chocolate chip cookies. I go, okay. So how many? He goes, a whole sleeve of Chips Ahoy chocolate chip cookies. He goes, but I crushed them all up and then I put them in a bowl and I put milk in it for protein. So here's a guy who knows he didn't want to tell me. So he knew what he was doing was not a good thing in the world of trying to have six pack abs. Right. Right. So if he just started by reducing that out of his day, Mm -hmm. he would start to make progress forward, provided he didn't replace it with something equally bad or as worse. Right, right. (laughs) But it always starts with reduction because Mm -hmm. so many times I hear people say, I've done diet and exercise. It doesn't work. Okay, well, first of all, the word diet is a terrible word, but because it's temporary, Mm -hmm. but exercise 100% works. But you got to be consistent. You got to do it for a long amount of time. And the time horizon that you need to think about is difficult because we live in such an instant gratification world today. We live in a world where Amazon has anything to your house within 24 hours, mm-hmm. uh, where DoorDash or whatever else has food to your doorstep in an amazing amount of time. Right. We got really used to now, right? But Definitely. the real results that we want are never now. They're so far in the future, we can't even see them. That's right. And I think that's a huge challenge today for anyone. And a really good friend of mine shared this quote with me once. And he said, in any given moment, we have two options, to step forward into growth or to step back into safety. And it was mm-hmm. from Abraham Maslow. And that's what so many people want to do. Like they take that, they stick their toe in the water, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to become a new person. I'm going to be everything that I want to be. So they take that, they take their shoe off, they take their sock off, they stick that toe in the water. Right. And then they're like, but I don't know what's underneath the surface of that water. So I can't jump in. How do you get people through that? How do you get people from Mm. dipping the toe in the water to saying, no, I'm doing this. This is how I'm now going to define me. That is definitely a challenge. I think we all feel the fear of the unknown or just the fear of change because change requires effort and we're all comfortable. We don't necessarily want to put in the effort. I think it needs to get to a point where you need to want it badly. You need to really want that vision, that change, but also know that 
you don't have to jump in necessarily. If you're not ready, you could put your foot in, then your ankle, then your leg, right? You know what I mean? Like one step at a time. And I think there is definitely something to say about compounding habits, about Mm -hmm. starting with one and then eventually adding another and another, because from my experience and from my clients and what I see, if we bite off more than we can chew, there's no way we're able to make it through. So we need to start small. We need to start with those small habits. I love your perspective on the elimination, the reduction. You know, even that is a good place to start. What can we reduce to then have space for and make time for to add in those new habits that will help you? And it doesn't need to be done all in one day, right? That's the instant gratification that that hurts us sometimes where we want it now. And it does take time. I think the conditioning or the reprogramming of anything worth having takes time. We need to build it. We need to take the time to really sit with it and say, like, I need to nurture this. I need to put all of my love and effort into it in a way that I can manage that's not overwhelming because the minute it gets overwhelming, we give up. And I understand. And that's okay. And I think a lot of us, and that's what I feel about New Year's resolutions. You, it lasts for a week or two, maybe a month if we're lucky, but then it's not done in a way that can help you sustain the, the changes. It's done all at once. You're from one day to the next, you're saying, I'm going to go to the gym seven days a week. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to do this and that. And there's no plan for how that's going to be sustained in the long term. And that's why, in my opinion, it doesn't last. So do you have recommendations because creating that action plan, Mm-hmm. really requires two things are very important. The first is clarity and exactly yeah. what do I need to do? But the second is courage and really oh, yeah. being able to say, I'm going to do this. I believe in myself enough to do this. Do you have a story where someone that you worked with really just took that leap of faith despite uncertainty and then wound up re- reaping results that they didn't expect? Mm-hmm. I have a few clients who are, who have, I've, I've finished sessions with them, who uh, have changed their careers. And at the beginning, there was a lack of confidence. There was, who am I to do this? Imposter syndrome, because yes. that one comes back to you, right? Who yep. am I to, to do this new job? I've only been known as, if I take myself for example, there was imposter syndrome. I've been known as an advertising director. Who am I to now be a coach? Who am I to be giving advice to people or to be guiding people, right? So there's always that little bit of doubt that seeps in. Uh, but I think, again, going back to I'm worthy. I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart because I'm aligned with my beliefs, my values. This is what I want. This is where I feel like I can create impact, where I can be my best self, where I could live my best life. And then just saying, okay, one thing at a time, those small changes, as you start to develop these habits and the changes are sticking, if you will, then you start developing some confidence and saying like, hey, I can do this. And that then snowballs into, okay, let's add another one and another one. So that's the compound effect that I was talking about, because not only do you get used to stacking your habits and doing this new lifestyle, it's also giving you confidence and assurance that you're capable of doing it that you're capable of change because a lot of us are resistant because we don't think we can do it. We think we're set in our ways, but really that one step at a time 
the courage is really the willingness to try something new, the willingness to do something different. And if we look at it in tiny little pieces, instead of I'm changing my career, it's like, okay, what are the steps that we are taking to get there? Then eventually we will get there and the courage and the confidence kind of builds along the way. Agreed. And even to this day, and I don't know if you do too, but I still face imposter syndrome more than I would think at this point. I mean, I've been podcasting now for way over a year. But just last week, I went back to working in healthcare after the physical location of MindFit closed. And I was uh, talking with a brand new physician at work and I met with him once or twice. And turns out you'd, you'd be surprised how often people actually wind up researching you online after they, after, you know, you meet someone. I don't mm-hmm. do that. So it's very weird when somebody does and then they say something that I had no idea that they knew. And I saw him again last week. And he goes, hey, he goes, you didn't tell me you were an author. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I I, I wrote two books. And he goes, that means you're an author. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. And it felt so weird. I'm like, why am I having such issues with the fact that he's calling me an author when I am? It may not be how I identify it in, in who I am, but, right. yeah, I, but it was so weird. And I was like, wow, this is still hitting really hard. It, it surprised me. Yeah. But, you know, you brought up a great point, taking that that leap of faith and, and going forward. And I, I've talked to so many people who commonly say, I just need to get these 12 things in order before mm. I take step one. Mm. And really what they're looking for is the perfect time, the perfect situation, the perfect everything, because we live in an Instagram perfect world, right? So yeah. everything needs to be perfect. Right. But I was just reading a study that was done recently with mice. And what they did was they put these mice in a tube and they attached the mice to a spring. And the spring could tell how hard the mouse was, the mouse were pulling. So in the front of the tube, they put the smell of cheese. And then they could test to see how far the mouse was pulling. Because okay. inspiration can be a great motivator to get people to do something, right? Right. But then they did another study and instead of putting the um, cheese in the front of the tube, they put the smell mm-hmm. of a cat in the back of the tube uh-huh. and the mouse pulled a hundred times harder on that spring to get away from the cat than it did to get to the cheese. So mm-hmm. the moral of the story is really desperation is actually much more of a powerful motivator although I hate the word motivation, we'll get to that later, but more powerful motivator than inspiration is. And sometimes you got to start at the bottom and it's okay. It's okay. And that makes me think that oftentimes people stay stuck or they stay in an uncomfortable situation because it doesn't hurt bad enough or it's not desperate enough to make them want to change. It's just that amount of uncomfortable that they can tolerate it. It's not ideal. They're unhappy. But I feel like that's what happened to me. You know, I wasn't, I mean, I was uncomfortable. I was, at one point I did get sick and then it did get to a point of desperation where if I don't make a move, I will physically be ill. Um, But it needed to get to that point. And a lot of people feel and and also mention that they need to hit rock bottom, right? That term of rock bottom, like you need to hit rock bottom to then give you that push to say, okay, like something needs to change. And 
if anything, it's okay because that means that opportunity needed to happen for you to make something greater of your life, for, for you to make that change, for you to give you, again, going back to that permission or giving you permission to be able to say like, okay, like let's do something different now. And unfortunately, and, and in the work that I don't want people to hit rock bottom, but reality is some people do. Some people need yeah. to get to the bottom of feeling that desperation and only then will they have the motivation or inspiration, whatever you want to call it, or just the willingness right. maybe. Only then will they feel the will or fe feel called to say like, okay, now, now it has to happen because I can't deal with this any longer. Right. Exactly. One of my favorite authors is Ralph Waldo Emerson. And one of his quotes that always, I actually have it posted at work, is the only person you're destined to become is the person that you decide to be. Yes. And it's so simple, but people are waiting. I feel like they're waiting for the stars to align. They're waiting for someone. And I, I realized I did it with my first book. Mm -hmm. So I write this book. It takes me a year to write it. I wound up walking 480 miles while dictating it. It was a crazy story. But I remember the book was done back from the editor in hand, ready to publish in September of 2021. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't mm -hmm. know if I can put it out. And I sat on it until February of 2022, just for months, just sat there. And I'm like, what am I waiting for? Am I waiting for yeah. a publisher that has no idea that I wrote this book? to knock on my door one day and say, hey, a little birdie just told me that, which you know is not going to happen, right? It's right. not going to happen. Or like, what exactly am I waiting for? And I mm -hmm. think what I was, in the end, what I was waiting for was that permission for myself to suddenly become vulnerable. Yeah. Because you build up these walls, you build up that armor that Brene Brown talks about. Yes. And then all of a sudden you're like, when I click publish, the armor goes away. There's no more armor. There's no more hiding behind Facebook posts and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. It's out there. Right. And to be able to make that decision and say, you know what? This is who I am going to decide to be. I'm not letting fate run its course and do whatever is going to, I'm going to set the direction. Right. How many times have you watched someone get so close to that step and then uh. not take it? Too many times, myself included. But luckily I did take it for myself. I feel when I was searching for that next step, I knew in my core that coach was the answer, but I needed the validation. I needed the permission from someone to be like, yeah, do it, right? Like I was waiting, I was waiting for someone to say like, okay, it's time, go for it. Yes. And I see that with my clients too, like they're, if it's not me that they're waiting for to say like, go do it, then they're waiting for all of the stars to align. Or when I, when work lines up like this, when I have this much money in my bank account, when this happens, like there are always conditions. And like you were saying earlier, it's like, we're waiting for everything to be perfect, but nothing is. And if we don't right. take the opportunity, it might not present itself again. It's almost yes. like if the opportunity is there, it's there for a reason and trust that it's being presented to you because you are able to take it because it's your time because let's go. Because if that opportunity passes you by, like, yes, maybe another one will come, but why not dive yes. in? Why not see what this opportunity has in store for you? 
I remember reading once that a great question to ask yourself is what if? And oftentimes when you ask yourself what if, the first thing that comes to mind are the negatives. What if I do this and everything falls apart? Everything comes crashing down. I'm laughed at. My reputation is like whatever it is. I don't know if you've read the book by Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Workweek. It's one of my favorite books. But in it, he does a an exercise called fear setting, where when you're going to make a decision to take action, mm-hmm. you actually need to sit down and write down what your biggest fears of everything that could possibly go wrong. And then once you do that, you need to write what your reaction to each individual fear would be. So if I quit my job and follow my dream and like you did, I'm going to become a coach and everything doesn't work, Mm -hmm. right? You, you aren't able to make a living. You aren't able to do this. What's the worst case scenario? And in most people's cases, it would be, well, may not like it, but in order to survive, I'd have to go back and get a job. Right. Okay. So there's, there's an exit, right? So is it Mm -hmm. really that big of a fear or not? And that fear setting, and I've done it in my own life. I talk to many people that do it. You finally realize it's really not that bad. Anything that I'm going to so do, true. I can recover. I'm, yeah. I've gotten myself to this point in life. I'm already battle tested in my experiences of where everything fell apart. And somehow I'm still here. I'm still alive. I'm still thriving. I'm doing everything I can. Yes. How do you, how do you get someone to be able to say, you need to face your fears. We see that all the mm-hmm. time. We see everything that you want lies on the other side of your fears. Have you ever had a specific technique or a way to get people to sit down and really address them and be able to, in some ways, almost embrace them? Mm-hmm. I think what you described is a great exercise of just being honest with the why. Why is this scary to you? Why do you fear it? And what's the worst that can happen? Right. And just kind of seeing for yourself the worst could be manageable. The worst you can actually get through on the other side. The other thing I like to do is also ask, what if it does work out? Right. Like, what if it doesn't? Because we say that all the time. But what if it does? And you know what? People are often scared of the success of it working out. Right. Not only the fear, but sometimes people are held back because if it does work out, that means that my life is about to change. I'm seeing that with one of my clients right now. So resistant to the change that we've been trying to, 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 to do in her life for the past few months. And then the other day I just said to her, are you afraid of the success? And she said, yes, because that means that my whole life is about to change. So. We automatically assume that it's the fear of the failure, but it's like fear of what if it actually works out? So I think just being honest with yourself and saying, okay, what will happen? Your life will change. How? Let's look at it. Let's see how you can manage it. Let's see how you can be resilient. Let's see how, let's envision it now. Let's even just see if we can understand what that means in terms of your your life changes, because it's often the unknown that we're afraid of, right? And there will always be unknown, but it's in those moments, I remind my clients and I remind myself too, you've done it before. And that's something that you mentioned with your example. Maybe write a list of all of the things that you've gone through in the past where you never thought you can make it through and then you accomplished. So 
maybe this is a list that you can refer to to remind yourself that you're capable, that you're able to get through anything. A list of accomplishments, lists of when you've gone through the worst and made the best outcome possible. So just kind of like proving to yourself that you're capable and you can do anything. Agreed. Agreed. Sometimes the thing that you think is what defines you or or what is keeping you where you are in a good way Mm -hmm. is actually the thing that's keeping you where you are in a bad way. Alex Formosi, who is the owner and founder of Acquisition.com, which does about, they have a portfolio of companies now do about $200 million a year. He said something the other day that really rang true. And it was, if you think you can't go after your dream, if your dream is to go make a million dollars, right? And you can't go after that dream because you already have a job making $100,000 a year. Then you take that $100,000, you look at your million, and it is costing you $900,000 a year to not learn how to make a million, to not take that first step. It's a crazy way of thinking about it, but it's so accurate. If you look at that big picture, it's actually like, oh, yeah, I never looked at it that way. Because you're so worried about you're going to lose, right? Right. Not what you're going to gain. Right. It's it's crazy. I like that shift, that reframe, definitely. What is it going to cost you? And even like when you're in situations of rock bottom, like what is it going to cost you if you don't change? What is it going to cost you to not try, at least try to make an effort to do something different? And when we started thinking of it that way, like, okay, I'm going to be stuck here forever. I'm going to be miserable forever. I'm going to get physically ill. Putting that perspective on things, I think, can also help to push someone forward in a direction where they were maybe a little afraid to move into. Absolutely. Agree. I've seen you before say, and I love this quote that you had, you need to move towards a life that lights you up. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that. Can you embellish Mm -hmm. on that a little bit? Yes. You have one life. And if you're not enjoying it, if you're not making the best of it, who else will? No one else. And that's where it comes back to don't wait for someone else to come in and give you the magic that you have been looking for. You create that magic yourself. And I believe that to truly have that inspired life, you need to do something that you are proud of, that you are happy with, something that you're good at, something that you can live off of that makes money ideally, and then something that gives back to the world. So in the Japanese culture, they have what's called the ikigai. And that's a combination or that's like the common denominator of your passion, what you're good at, what gives back to the world, and then what you can make money off of. So ideally, you have that one thing that you are meant to do in this life. And that's an exercise that I I did for myself when I was looking for that new career move. And that I often do with my clients to see like, how can we get all of the best parts of you and even uncover things that you never thought possible in terms of either just jobs or just hobbies? What can we do to bring more magic into your life? Excellent. I love that. Very, very cool. Life though itself. So it's so exciting when you get when you make that decision and you say, okay, I am going to move forward. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And we kind of talked about it before in wanting everything to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't want it to be perfect. Sometimes we just want life to slow down enough for us to be able to catch up and say, no, 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 I need to be able to do this because life's pace can be so overwhelming. 
Yes. Can you define some of the things you touched on a little bit before, but that an individual do, can do to maximize the present? Mm. Life is way too fast. That's for sure. <laughs> Very true. Very oh my. true. <laughs> if we don't take the time to just sit and be still, you don't even have to do, you don't have to even meditate if you don't want to. Meditation is great, by the way. But even if some people are like, oh, I can't meditate. I'm too busy. I was one of those people. <laughs> I can't do yoga. I can't meditate. It's too slow for me. I'm too busy. I need to keep going all the time. Yeah, but at one point we do need to stop. We need to just give our body a chance to just be still. And in those moments are when the recharging happens. There's so many times where I'm on, I'm going, going, and I'm in a creative flow. It's not like I'm overwhelmed. I'm actually doing great work. I'm feeling inspired. I'm, I'm doing everything creative. But then I hit a block. And in order to get that creativity flowing again, I need to recharge. So what I do is I stop. Maybe I go out in nature. I connect with nature. I just take an afternoon where I read. Um, I listen to a podcast. I do something slow. Like I adopt a bit of a slow lifestyle. I cook, right? Like things that you enjoy. It doesn't have to be something revolutionary. Just activities that you enjoy that you can allow yourself to just slow down and just be present Cooking, I think, is a great example because often we cook quickly because we got to get through dinner because then we got to do this and that. But can you take time to just like make a recipe or like make a meal and just enjoy yourself with that? Enjoy the process of that. And then sitting and eating without any distractions. That's a big one, too, because we eat in front of the TV or on our phone or you know what? But, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Which, I, which I'm guilty of. But I think just being aware of once in a while, giving yourself an opportunity to just slow down and that stillness is okay and it's needed. It doesn't mean you're unproductive. That was my problem. I thought that if I stopped, it would mean I would be lazy or unproductive. But no, actually, in order to help yourself be more productive, you need those moments where you just have to slow everything down, recharge, recharge your battery. You know, we plug in our phones. They, the batteries need to be recharged after being in use all day. Same thing for ourselves. What can we do? Is it a daily activity to make sure that you have that kind of recharging? Is it at night? Do you do something for yourself as a bedtime routine? Or is it in the morning? Or is it once in a while when you feel like, okay, I just need a reset? Uh, you do something that allows you to just be present and at peace and in the moment. It literally makes you want to own your own day, right? You want yeah. to, you, you don't want to, Steve Jobs once said, your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Totally. It's, yeah. It's so true. Like we, sometimes I feel like we're not even trying to live someone else's life, but we're trying to live the life that someone, that we think someone else expects us to live. Ooh, and yes. It's so, and I think social media has just yeah. absolutely beat us up that way where we have to have certain profile pictures. We have to have this amazing mm -hmm. family. We have to have this amazing mm -hmm. job. We have to be giving back to the world, at least behind a camera. And mm -hmm. yet that camera goes off and everyone's not. And I don't know. The funny thing is everyone knows that they're not who they say they are on social media, but they don't at the same time. It's the most frustrating thing. How do you get people... David Goggins, who is pretty much everywhere today in the world of motivation and his ultra marathons and all these things, 
he talks quite a bit about the accountability mirror and being able Mm -hmm. to look in that mirror literally and say to yourself, who am I? Who do I want to be? And what Mm -hmm. am I going to do to get there? Do you ever use a tactic like that or or strategy like that to really Mm -hmm. help people get to where they want to be? Definitely. Something similar would be what I'd mentioned earlier, the envisioning your future self, right? And just getting clear on who that person is and what kind of activities and habits that they do. So example, if I'm the person who wants to run a marathon, what are the habits that I need in order to accomplish that? And what do I need to let go of that would be holding me back? Now that's like an extreme example. Not everybody wants to run a marathon. Good for you if you do. (laughs) If I just want to be somebody who, I want to be somebody who wakes up happy every day because that's a goal for a lot of people. That was a goal for me. I want to wake up happy every day. Okay, so let's get clear on what makes me happy. Right. What is it that I can do to make myself happy? What removes my happiness? Hey, guess what? Social media, comparison Mm. on social media. So that means I need to be very mindful and very intentional with my social media. I cannot find myself like we all do. And I do catch myself scrolling endlessly into the abyss, into the black hole of social media. And I get caught, right? We've all been there. (laughs) But definitely I've found myself in moments where I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm aware of it. I'm like, why am I still scrolling? It's been an hour. I've done nothing but scroll and look at these people's lives and all. Whether or not you're trying to resist it, you do feel a bit bad. So-and-so's doing this, so-and-so's doing that. Oh, I wish I could do that. Oh, I wish that. So I think social media, because you brought it up, is a huge factor in how you are going to either accomplish your goals or get further away from them. And social media can be done or can be used in an intentional way for all us business people, entrepreneurs, there are definitely benefits to social media, but I think we get so wrapped up and caught up in just the mindless scrolling and the comparison. That's what ends up having the most impact. They've actually done studies showing that the way that social media releases neurochemicals, neurotransmitters, and neuromodulators in our brain it actually causes time to take on a different element. So we literally lose our ability, even through our circadian rhythm, we lose our ability to track time because Mm. of social media. And it all has to do with the manipulation, I guess you could say, of, of dopamine, of serotonin in our brain. It's so frightening. And it, it puts people on this hamster wheel, you know, Dopamine is a chemical that is released not, it all, it has the definition of a pleasure chemical. It's actually mm-hmm. not a correct definition. Dopamine is actually a chemical that is released in anticipation of pleasure. Uh-huh. So there are many different things that cause pretty decent spikes in dopamine. So for example, if you like chocolate and you have a Hershey kiss, that's going to increase your dopamine level by 50% over baseline. If you smoke, that the nicotine in the uh, cigarette will increase your dopamine about 150% over baseline. If you drink alcohol or have mm-hmm. sex, it increases your dopamine by about 200% over baseline, okay. which is identically what social media increases your dopamine by. 
200% overbreeze. Yes. <gasps> now, as an example, cocaine increases your dopamine levels by about 250 to 300%, and methamphetamines increase it by about 1,000%. But wow. you see how high social media does it. The mm-hmm. scary part is not how much it actually causes the spike. The scary part is the consistent access and abundance of it. So if you, if for someone that smokes, as an example, or someone that drinks, if that's something that they really like and it induces a dopamine spike, mm-hmm. you can't smoke all day long, 24 hours a day. You can't smoke every waking minute of, of your day, right. hopefully. If you do, hopefully. you're not going to have any lungs left. But same thing for drinking, same thing for sex, same thing for gambling, same thing for illicit drugs. You can't do it. You can't even eat chocolate literally all day long or you're probably going to break out in the hives at some point. Right. But social media, you can do all day long. And there is an interesting thing where social media gets grouped into one thing. But there's something, I actually wrote about this in my book, called the polymedia effect. So if you've ever heard of polysubstance abuse, it's when someone is doing more than one drug at the same time. So they're taking fentanyl, they're doing heroin, they're doing marijuana, all these different things. Okay. Polymedia effect is when you are using multiple different applications. Your phone is not a single entity. Each individual application is a single entity. So most people use polymedia, meaning they go on Facebook, they, Mm -hmm. they scroll Facebook, and then mm-hmm. boom, they pop the Instagram. Boom, they mm-hmm. pop the TikTok. Then they go to Snapchat. Each one of them causes that 200% increase in dopamine. So imagine having cigarette after cigarette after cigarette all day long. That's what's happening to our brains to the point where the dopamine receptors are physically moving in our brains. So as generations are going on, the physical structure of our brains is actually changing because of technology. It's absolutely frightening. But the one thing that has an effect to reverse that damage is exercise. Really? Yes, because exercise Mm -hmm. also releases dopamine. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing about the dopamine released by exercise is it's not an anticipation of pleasure. Now, you may love to work out for someone that truly loves fitness and working out, Mm -hmm. but that happens prior to you working out. That's the anticipation of, oh, I'm going to go work out. Right. Dopamine release during exercise is actually released because of stress and trauma. If you're exercising at a high intensity, it's your body's reaction to help you cope with that stress. And that builds resiliency. So it's the only thing that consistently reverses the effects of social media is high intensity exercise. It's incredible. Really, really neat. Really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Even more yeah. reason to promote exercise. A hundred percent. My totally. goodness. If we the didn't believe method, before, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> now you have really worked with some amazing people and your coaching program really seems to be a roadmap for transformation. Mm-hmm. Can you go into a little bit your program and what you do and how you help individuals? Yes, for sure. So my program is called Rewrite Your Life. Because I want to empower you to write your next chapter that, and also let you know that you're not stuck. You've written one story in your life, maybe two or three, but you don't have to stay there. You can always rewrite your life. You can always rewrite your story at any point that you feel called to. So what I do with 
with you during this program. It's a 12-week program. We meet once a week. And we really go through the different steps needed to, first of all, as I've been mentioning, get clear on what is that story, right? Like you're the main character of your story. How do you want that story to end like? Let's look at the end first. So that future vision, what is that person that you're going to be a main character going to be creating? And then we look at your lifestyle, your habits. We do look at what do you need to start changing? What do you need to start adopting and doing differently? to be able to live like that character. We'll go through limiting beliefs because we all have them. What are those stories that we've been telling ourselves that are holding us back? I will help you to rewrite those, to reframe and to have new ways of addressing yourself and your experiences so that you can have as much positivity and motivation as possible to get through. And that inspiration too, how can you find that inspiration? And we'll build that roadmap. What do you need to do to get to that next step in your life? So if it's career change, okay, what needs to happen? What are the next steps in your life that you need to take? We need to get your resume ready. We need to start researching. Do you need to go back to school? Do you need to do some online training, right? Or if it's just, I want to eat better. Okay, let's look at your what you're eating now and how can you uh, adopt a healthier eating habit or do you need to maybe have some ref references? Uh, does someone need to come in and help you cook and learn how to prepare different meals? So just seeing like, okay, with your goal and what you want to accomplish, what do we need to do to get you there? And I will definitely be your guide and your cheerleader along the way. That is amazing. Very, very cool. Thank and you, you also run a successful podcast yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about it? I do. Thank you for asking. Yes. So it's called Get Into Flow. I started it in February of 2022 and it started with just an idea of like to talk, like to speak with people and give my, my perspective on things. And I was doing that in social media, but social media is limited. We can only do so much, right? And minute max in terms of video. So I wanted a longer platform or longer version of how I can connect with people. So I started my podcast. And at first it was really just me talking about everyday things that I'm experiencing, that I'm seeing with my clients. And the goal is to help you work through mindset shifts. So it's a mindset shifting podcast, giving you tools and takeaways so that you can get some actionable items into your daily life to help you through real life stuff. And recently I started interviewing guests, which is awesome because I get to meet people, connect with people. And learn new things myself and bring that learning and key learning to my audience. And that's been really, really fun. I've been really enjoying the podcast experience. Excellent. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. You, you walk past all these people. If you, if you ever walk in a city, you're walking past all these people on a street. You have no idea the knowledge base, the experience, the stories that they have. And. For myself as well, podcasting has allowed me to start to interact with people like yourself that I never would have interacted with them before. I'm in right? New Jersey, yeah. you're in Montreal, so you know completely uh, yeah, different spots mm -hmm. in the in North America. But it, it's still such an amazing thing. Did you ever have a podcast guest that just said something that like you're like, wow, that is a great story. That is a great message to be able to to take away. Does anyone ever give that give you something like that? And would you be willing to share it? Yeah. Well, honestly, everyone I've been meeting, I didn't realize the effect that these connections would have on me just in opening up conversations, 
shifting my perspective. And sometimes, I don't know if you feel this way, but you have an idea of someone going into the interview. And then as the conversation progresses, you're like, yeah, like I never thought about that this way. And it leads you down in a different direction. So the flow that I like to promote also (laughs) happens in the conversation, right? So to say like, you know, we're having such a great conversation, a bit like today. We've we've gone in so many different directions, but it's just yes. felt so natural. It's felt so organic in that sense. Absolutely. And that's what I love about this experience of, you know, everyone has something to say and everyone I feel is like-minded in the sense that we're all here to learn. We're all here to exchange and share. So even just coming together, there's no ego. There's no like, this is my way and only this, like, uh, you know, we're all just here to learn from each other and to be better people in general. Absolutely. Absolutely. As we start to wind this down a little bit, I do have a couple of final questions for you. Mm-hmm. And the first is throughout your experiences, have there ever been any specific books, podcasts, resources that really significantly impacted your personal growth and mindset? And if so, would you share them? Mm -hmm. The first one that comes to mind is Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits. And it's, there it is. (laughs) There it is. Yes, that one. Oh my goodness. Written so simply and I feel like so actionable and so accessible. I think that's what really drew me to that book. The fact that it was something I could put into practice right away. So Atomic Habits is definitely something, I don't know if you feel the same way, Mike. Yeah, 100%. Actually, someone said to me once that the tagline for the book should have been the successful guide to life. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yes, definitely. I think, oh my goodness, because then we, that's when we realize that it's like you change your habits, you change your life. Yes. And it's really, it comes down to what you do on a daily basis. And that is your identity. That is who you are. And if you want to change who you are, then you got to change what you do. Yes. hundred yeah. percent. I think the biggest takeaway that I took away from the book, there were two. One was just like the, and I know it's said all the time now, but you are the culmination of your five most common habits or the five people that you hang around the most. You don't think yeah. of life that way, but it is no. so true. Um, that I loved. And I also loved the notion of micro habits. And yes. that is something that I found very, very successful. I just interviewed a couple of weeks ago, a women's bodybuilder who was getting ready to go for her pro card. And we were talking about, actually, we we're talking about atomic habits. We were talking about habits that she implements and micro habits. And mm-hmm. I said to her, do you utilize micro habits in your own super strict discipline of training and nutrition? And she chuckled and she goes, absolutely. She goes, I think I have the ultimate micro habit because I have to get up at 3 a.m. every morning to do my cardio because she's a single mom. She's a teacher. And, and she goes, I sleep in my gym clothes. So, and she actually has the treadmill in her in her apartment. She goes, there's no excuse. I roll out of bed onto the treadmill. I do not have to get changed. I was like, that is awesome. I absolutely love it. I love that. I love that. Yes. The ultimate life hack. (laughs) Sleep in your gym clothes. That's it. Gym clothes, everyone. (laughs) There it is. We found it. (laughs) Thanks to her for that. (laughs) And finally, what message or mantra do you try to live by that you would like to share to the listeners as a source of inspiration? Oh, so many thoughts running through my mind. It's never too late to do what you love. 
It's never too late to change. It's never too late to take action. If there's something that you want, if there's any dissatisfaction with your lifestyle or your life in general, you have the power to change it. I like that. It's almost like, quote, it's never too late to dot, dot, dot. Exactly. You get to decide what the dots are. You decide. And you decide your life. I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for being the authors of our own life. Very true. The main characters. Yeah. Very wise words of wisdom. I like that. (laughs) Well, Sabrina, let me ask for people to learn more about you and your programs. How do they find you? Yes. My website is a great place to start. So sabrinadelduca.com. I have information about my coaching programs, my resources, my podcasts as well. Uh, But of course, my podcast is on all the major streaming platforms. It's called Get Into Flow. You can also find me on social media. On Instagram, I have my dance name, which is Duchess Sabrina. You can find me there. Or I also have my Instagram podcast account, which is Get Into Flow Podcast. Excellent. And for all the listeners, if you go into the description of the podcast, uh, all of Sabrina's links will be there. So if you want to learn more about Sabrina and the amazing things that she's doing, and the amazing thing that she does for others, don't miss out. Make sure you check them out. Sabrina, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've truly appreciated your time today. I couldn't thank you enough for being on the podcast. Thank you, Mike. What an opportunity. What a conversation. I agree. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hey, everyone. Don't miss this Thursday's episode with the owner and founder of Flow State Designs, an unbelievable clothing company with a founder with an even more unbelievable story. Make sure you click that subscribe button. So stay driven, everyone. And until next time.